We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, February the 20th, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's 79-76 to loss to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'll talk about the game, break it all down, just what went wrong for South Carolina, and look at what's ahead for the Gamecocks as they continue their pursuit of the NCAA tournament. Also, we move to the diamond as South Carolina baseball takes on Northwestern, an SEC Big Ten matchup. I'll break down the series, talk about the top storylines, key players for the weekend, my prediction, and much, much more. Also, we have news and notes, your listener questions, and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks outfielder TJ Hopkins that I know you're sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at New Ground Hard Nitro Lattes. Guys, New Ground's amazing. The brand, the drink, everything about them. I love New Ground. The drink is absolutely amazing, especially if you're a big coffee drinker like me. They have two flavors, Cafe Latte and Chai Latte, which both have 5% alcohol. So, guys, the great things about this drink, not only does it taste amazing, but it's enough alcohol to enjoy casually, but also if you're trying to turn up at a party or at a tailgate, you're hanging with friends, you're at home, it's really great for any occasion. Like I said, it tastes great as well. Everyone that I have given these drinks to, including myself, obviously, but everyone that has tried these has absolutely loved them. Not just liked them, loved them. These things taste absolutely amazing, and there's actually a reason for that. They're made with real coffee and tea, natural flavors, real sugar. They're GMO-free. Guys, when you taste these things, you can tell this is not some processed drink, and it's not one of those alcoholic beverages where you're really sacrificing taste for the buzz that you're chasing. These things are delicious. You can't even really taste the alcohol. It just tastes like a delicious coffee beverage. It actually has naturally occurring caffeine in the cafe latte flavor as well, or if you're more of a decaf person, you can go with the chai latte flavor. So you can find the drinks all over the Southeast from South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and any stores like Harris Teeter, Publix, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, Food Lion. Guys, if you can't find for it, just ask because these guys are everywhere and they are taking over. If you want to learn more, be sure to check them out at drinknewground.com and be sure to follow them on social media at drinknewground. Again, that's Newground Hard Nitro Lattes imported from Holland. Check them out, drinknewground.com and on social media at drinknewground. All right, let's get into it. Phil Chose the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. 
Got a packed show, obviously. We're talking Gamecocks basketball, South Carolina baseball, news and notes, fantastic interview, guys, an absolutely packed show. I am recording this at a little bit past midnight, Wednesday night, obviously, the late tip, the 9 o'clock tip at Humphrey Coliseum for South Carolina basketball. If my voice is a little bit raspy, if I start to kind of go off on a tangent or if I start rambling, it's the late night thoughts, I think, guys, so just forgive me, but whatever. Either way, appreciate you guys tuning in because, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. That game also probably is part of it because that damn basketball game has left my brain in some scrambled eggs. The emotions are all over the place. Let's jump right into it. South Carolina drops the game to Mississippi State 79-76 to in what was such a strange game. You know, it's crazy. I mean, it, it felt like we were down by 50 at halftime. I mean, I genuinely felt like we were down by 50 at halftime. It felt like we were down by 20 all the second half. And you lose by three. And you even have a chance at the end to put up one last second shot and tie the game, which A.J. Lawson somehow could not get off. But the Gamecocks do lose the game 79-76. to Overall, you look at this game, I, I think the biggest storyline just has to be – well, first off, we'll start with the positives. Mike Coatsar. Unbelievable, unbelievable performance by Mike Coatsar. 24 points, 11 of 17 from the field. Dude was two of two from the free throw line. I mean, you know, it's funny. I made the joke on social media. I'll make it here again. I talked about going into this game that Mike Coatsar needed to play well. He needed to have a good game. I didn't mean only Mike Coatsar play well and everybody else play like dog shit. <laughs> I mean, um, not enough help outside of him. You know, Jermaine Kuznar did end up finishing with 17 points. A.J. Lawson with 12. But at the end of the day, you just really did not get enough outside of Mike Kotar's production, especially early on. Um, Gamecocks just shoot 23% from three-point range. You know, the turnovers, obviously, a huge problem. 15 turnovers. Um, not to pick on one guy, but Trey Hannibal throwing the ball over the place. I know he's an explosive kid. He's going to be a really, really good player for South Carolina, but he had a very rough night. Um, he had a very, very rough night for South Carolina as far as, being, as far as being careless with the basketball. And I thought you saw this entire team really have that problem. Even Mississippi State at times was extremely careless with the basketball. You know, overall, it, just going in this game, you know, because it's funny, it's the score-wise, the game went sort of how I thought. You know, I thought it would be a really hard-fought game, a close game, a game in which – the Gamecocks would hang tight with Mississippi State and maybe even win, but probably come up just short, and they did that. But I just think it's the way that it happened. The way that it happened, I think, was the most surprising. Again, I did not see the sloppiness coming. Um, you know, I do give kudos. I do give major kudos to the South Carolina basketball team for simply battling, um, finding a way to come back. Again, there were many times this game where they could have caved. They could have given up. You know, they could have lost this game by double digits. You know, it felt like early on this was was, not, was a night that was not our night. Um, I will say this, though, because I know a lot of fans right now are living in negative town. I completely understand. I, trust me, I understand being frustrated after that game. That was – guys, that was a brutal, and I mean a brutal basketball game to watch, especially early on. Um, you're down by nine at halftime. Again, all the turnovers – Nobody outside of Mike Kotar is really doing anything. The fouls, the refs were brutal. I don't even like talking about the refs anymore on this show because they are brutal every single game. Like, what is the point about talking about the refs? What is the point? I don't understand the point of talking about the refs anymore, but they were brutal. But this team will be all right, in my opinion. I, I do think this team will be okay. Listen, 
you go. I I can swallow and forgive a tough loss on the road in SEC play, especially to any. Like I said, guys, give credit to Mississippi State. They are a good basketball team. They've got some players. Mississippi State's a. They almost scored eighty points, and uh, Reggie Perry didn't even play all that great. I mean, he had a double double, but ten and ten. He, he well below his averages, or well below his points average at least. So they're a good basketball team with a lot of playmakers. Obviously, with this loss, it amplifies what you have to do on Saturday. I think you needed to split coming into this week. Again, this loss is not the end of the world, but you've got to protect your home floor now. Overall in this game, though, I mean, listen, it's kind of the same old song. You've got to get more from a guy like A.J. Lawson. And really, you know, I don't even want to pick on A.J. Lawson that much because, again, he gave you 12. Kuznar gave you 17. Now, 0 for 5 from, from three-point range for Kuznar, that's not good enough. He's got to be better. But, I mean, God, Alonzo Frank, three points. Keyshawn with six. You know, you know, you take a look. I mean, no, TJ Moss, zero. Trey Hannibal, two. Wolves Levesque, six. Jair Bolden, six. Jair Bolden hit a big shot down the stretch as well. But overall, when you go on the road in the SEC, you just cannot make the mistakes that South Carolina made. You can't turn the ball over like they did. You just simply cannot turn the ball over at the rate in which they did. Um, you know, 18 points off turnovers is what Mississippi State got. You're just not going to win doing that on the road. You're not going to get away with that, especially when you're playing a quality team on the road. So, again, I think this South Carolina basketball team is fine. I don't think this is the end of the world. You know, I, I really – I think we're going to be okay. Tough road loss. I, again, I, I hate to say that I saw this coming and I expected the loss, blah, 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 but we knew this would be a tough game. I mean, Mississippi State was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. They were a five-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason. So, it's frustrating for sure because you had opportunities to win and it's the way that you lost. But the Gamecocks played pretty – terrible basketball and lost by three points on the road. If you want to spin it into any type of positive, again, I know people probably don't want to hear it right now, and um, what, that's fine. That's whatever. But you played really bad basketball, honestly. You played sloppy basketball and lost by three. I think Jermaine Kuznar getting in foul trouble early obviously was a huge problem. That was a huge thing in the game. Um you know, it really forced Trey Hannibal to play a lot early on. Listen, like I said, I like Trey. I like Trey Hannibal. think he's going to be a really good player for South Carolina throughout his career. Dude's going to be a fantastic player. But he looked overwhelmed tonight. He looked overwhelmed. He looked, he looked like a freshman. And listen, he is a freshman. There's going to be those growing pains, and you saw that. But – Man, on the road in the SEC, again, those are just – those are errors you cannot make, especially at the frequency that South Carolina made them. I mean, the basketball was all over the place. Very careless at times. Extremely careless at times. So, like I said, you know, looking at this game, tough loss. It stings because it's one you certainly could have had. But now you get to – you know, you get to come home you get to come home in front of your home fans and try to protect your home floor against an LSU team that has been reeling of late. That has been reeling. 
So again, you can't let this one beat you twice. That's going to be the biggest thing. Mike Coates are, stay hot, keep doing what you're doing. You need better efforts from your guards, no doubt. You're going to have to get better efforts from your guards. But, again, I hate to say this, but it's like going into this one, I sort of saw this coming, and this was going to be a tough game on the road in the SEC. You've been playing really, really good basketball. I don't want to say you were due or anything for, for a loss, but Mississippi State, a good team. They're right there where you are, at 8-6 and six or 8-5, and five, whatever. They're right at that number with you. They're a good team. So, to me, it's more so what do you do after? Because I I think South Carolina is still a good team, too. They've shown that. But you better bounce back quick because you got LSU coming to town Saturday. So, again, Gamecocks losing 79-76 to overall. Listen, I think this team will be okay. Um, Obviously, if we see that sloppiness again, that same type of sloppy play, it's going to be very concerning. It is. It's going to be very, very concerning. But I do expect this team to bounce back. Not looking too far ahead. Obviously, we'll break down the LSU game in its entirety on tomorrow's show. But I do expect this team to bounce back in a big way. I do. At home, again, you come home to the friendly confines. I think they'll bounce back. Um, Would surprise you if they didn't. So, again, tough night at the office for the good guys. But overall, I think it'll be okay, fans. Don't, Don't jump off the ledge just yet. I think we'll be all right. Um, all right, let's talk some Gamecocks baseball. South Carolina taking on Northwestern in their second series of the year. little SEC Big Ten matchup. Before we do that, I want to talk to you and my friends over at Ag South Farm Credit because the Spurs Up show is brought to you by Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing to 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. They're a cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. Year. They also have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, <clears throat> whether you're buying a house, whether it's your first house, dream house, you're buying some land, whatever, we all know that can be a very stressful, strenuous situation. There's a lot of big time decisions you have to make. You're spending a lot of money. You want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. When it comes to having the right lender, Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. They're going to be there for you every single step of the way, answer all your questions. They're awesome. They're going to be there. So one of the questions they get asked most often, people will find a tract of land they want to buy for hunting or whatever else. What are the current interest rates, right? How much am I paying in interest? That's a very important question. So they get this question a lot, and it's hard to give a clear answer with so many variables. So their rates are competitive with other lenders, but the rates do change daily. So how long you term it outside with your current financial situation also makes a difference. With just a quick conversation, they can get you a ballpark quote. But do keep in mind, it could change based on the day and the further analysis of your financial. So, guys, to talk rates, if you have any other questions, give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C dot com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 619-788. So, again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH. 
and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. All right, like I said, let's move to the Diamond. South Carolina taking on Northwestern of the Big Ten. Um, should be an interesting series. Obviously, SEC Big Ten crossover. Normally, the Gamecocks not playing teams from the Big Ten. I'm not sure the last time this has happened. Uh, but taking a deep dive into Northwestern. Their coach is Spencer Allen. Last season, 2019, Northwestern went 24-27, and 11-13 in conference. So kind of a rough year for those guys. And they started out this 2020 season losing two of three to Omaha. Um, lost two of three to Omaha. So they're looking, obviously, to bounce back. Did not have any midweek games this week. You take a look at their pitching. Um, 2019 had a 5.27 team ERA. They lost their top arm. In Nick Passiorek, I think I'm saying that right, Nick Passiorek went seventh round overall, so lost their top guy, was really their bell cow, if you will, their ace on the mound, so they lose him. Their starting rotation, and this has not been announced officially. I'm going off of what they went last week, assuming it'll be the same this weekend, but it looks like Friday is going to be right-handed pitcher Mike Doherty. Um, he's 0-0 with a 1.8 ERA. Saturday, left-handed pitcher Quinn Lavelle, 0-1 with a 0 ERA, and then Sunday, right-handed pitcher Tyler Uberstein. 1-0 with a 1.8 ERA. You take a look at their hitters. Uh, last season hit 267 as a team so far through this year. Just three games, obviously, but hitting 257 on the year. Lost their top two hitters from a year ago as well. Jack Dunn and Alex Arrow, two big-time dudes, both went in the draft. Uh, players to watch for. Sean Goosenberg for Northwestern. A season ago, hit 288, 27 RBIs. He is hot right now, too, coming out of the first weekend, 7 of 14 with five ribbies. He's definitely one of their big guys, can be a power threat as well. Uh, Michael Trotween, Michael Trotween, 2019 hit 243, a homer, 15 ribbies. This season so far, 273, one home run, and three RBIs. And then Casey O'Laughlin. Um, so had a really rough start on opening weekend, one for 10, but he is their returning home run leader, had five home runs a season ago. Um, so again, was their top home run guy. So not, not a very big power team, obviously, but he does have some pop in his back, Casey O'Laughlin. When you take a look at South Carolina, um, going to stick with the same weekend rotation of Carmen, Brett Carey, and Brandon Jordan. What to watch for in this one? Um, when you take a look, you know, first things first, you go into this series fully expecting to win the series, no question, if not sweep, right? Early on, non-conference type of, type of uh, series, if you will. But I'm going to be looking for, is there, is there an uptick in the competition? You know, I was talking about this with somebody at the park Wednesday afternoon at the PC game. You know, how ready and eager we are to see this South Carolina team take on a team with some substance, you know, a team with a couple guys that can throw in the 90s, a team with some bashers in their lineup, just so you can gauge where you are. I mean, again, it's fun. It's very fun to beat up on these non-conference teams. You know, you, you beat the hell out of PC Wednesday night, 14 to three. Going to talk about that one in just a little bit. But overall, it's fun to get those wins. But I'll just be interested to see more so what does Northwestern bring to the table? Again, I, I don't think they're very good. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. I don't think they're very good, but they are a Big Ten team. So you would certainly think they've got some talented guys. I mean, you look last year, they had a couple guys go in the draft a year ago. So I'll be just very curious to see, is there any type of uptick in competition? Um, you would certainly think that Northwestern is better than Holy Cross and certainly better than PC. So I'll be interested to see just how the Gamecocks handle that. Again, not saying that 100% the expectation is to win this series, if not sweet. But how do the Gamecocks handle playing some better competition, if you will? Um, I'll just be very interested to see how the guys handle that and just how they sort of embrace that, if they will. Because I think they're looking forward to that as well. 
I mean, again, you have Clemson next weekend. You know, you'd like to see some quality arms this weekend, some quality bats, again, to sort of gauge yourself and to sort of sharpen yourself up before you take on Clemson next weekend for sure. Um, another thing to watch for, I think you're going to just continue to see shuffling throughout this lineup. You know, Wednesday night you saw Braylon Wimmer in the leadoff spot. You know, you've, saw, you've seen Mark Kingston play with this lineup. And, again, I'm talking about the Clemson series before, um, or I was just talking about it. You need to find your best nine. You need to find your best lineup before you go into that Clemson series next weekend. I think you're going to continue to see that. Um, I think you're going to continue to see, again, changes in the lineup, changes in the field. You know, you're going to see different guys coming out of the pen, different guys, you know, throwing. So I'm going to be very interested to see just how much, if at all, how much, if at all, do they play with the lineup? Um, I'll just be very intrigued to see what Mark Kingston and staff do there. Nothing to watch for for me. Another big storyline in this one, pitching and defense. You know, this is a team that I love what you saw from the first weekend. Um, 1.517 ERA. You had another really solid pitching night against PC. The defense has been good, not quite as good against PC, but overall in four games you've made two errors, which is pretty solid, I would say. Is this going to be a team that that's going to be – a constant, if you will, because obviously it's very early on in the season to draw any serious conclusions, right? The baseball season is very long. What is true today may not be true tomorrow. But I think this team has the potential, not saying anything about the bats, they're not going to be able to hit or whatever, but I think this team has the potential to be a team that is really good on the mound and really, really good defensively. I'll be curious to see if we see that again, because I'll be honest with you guys, I love this pitching staff. Love this starting rotation. I mean, just taking a look at this series this weekend, not spoiling my prediction or anything, but I don't know how Northwestern's going to hit Carmen Majinski. I love Brett Carey in the Saturday. I like Brandon Jordan a lot in the Sunday. I love what you've got in the back end. So I just want to continue to see that development. I want to continue to see um, the consistency there, if you will. And then again, in the defense as well. You know, especially in these non-conference games, you better be good on the mound in the field because when you play in the SEC, if you got good pitching and good defense, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of ball games. I want to continue to see that develop as well. Another thing I'll be watching for, what is the status of Brennan Malone? I know he's dealing with a hip flexor. I'm not saying I expect to see him this weekend. I think they need to hold him out until he's 100%. Mark Kingston said that after the PC game Wednesday night when he was asked about him, just said, you know, listen, we don't want to put him in there and him be in and out, in and out, in and out of the lineup, which I like. I think let him get 100%, get him back out there because, listen, he's one of your best hitters when he's healthy. Um, but I'll be curious to see can he go at all this weekend. Like I said, I think they'll probably hold him out. Um, you know, I think probably the earliest we see him back is maybe in the midweek next week, probably the Clemson series. So we'll see. But I'll be very interested to see if we get any updates on that. Um, another thing I'm looking for, you know, I, I hope uh, people don't mind me saying this, but uh, Jeff Heinrich hit watch is officially on. Um, you take a look, you take a look at the Gamecocks hitters. Really, the only guy that you know plays every day and does not have a hit is Jeff Heinrich. Um, a guy that listen, they're going to come. I really excited. I was really excited about this kid coming in the season. Still excited about him. He's a dirt bag. He, he's a he's a hard nosed ball player. He's a guy that's going to do a lot of big things for South Carolina. I know he's frustrated right now just watching him. Against PC, I think he's pressing just a little bit. He knows he doesn't have a base hit yet. I'll be interested to see if it comes this weekend. Again, Jeff is a guy, again, that is playing third beautifully. I think he's a good ball player for whatever reason off to a slow start, but it is definitely Jeff Heinrich hit watch is officially on 
is this going to be the weekend <laughs> that Jeff finally gets off the schneid and gets himself a base hit? I'm sure it'll happen this weekend, but uh, kind of something interesting to watch for. And, and then finally, you know, I, I mentioned it a couple times previously, but this is the last weekend before you take on Clemson. Um, you want to do every – you know, obviously you want to win. You want to win the series, if not sweep. You know, you want to continue that momentum. But you really want to iron out all the kinks this weekend. I mean, like I said, you want to figure out who your best nine are. You want to solidify roles in your bullpen, in your starting rotation. You want to solidify what's your best nine in the field. What's the best order for your lineup? And, again, it's forever going to be a work in progress. That's kind of how it is in baseball. Guys get hot. They get in slumps. You move guys around. You sub different guys in, whatever it may be. But you want to feel as comfortable and as confident as you can going into that Clemson series next weekend. And so, like I said, I think getting all these live reps, you're playing a Big Ten team, which, again, Northwestern does not match up to what you're going to see when you play Clemson. <clears throat> but at least it is a little bit of an uptick in competition, if you will. So, again, the last weekend before Clemson, just sort of ironing everything out, finding out who your best nine are, solidifying all those roles as much as you can, um, because we obviously all know just how important that series is against the Tigers that you're going to have, uh, that you're going to have next weekend. When you take a look at this weekend for me, the key player of the weekend is my key player is going to be Noah Campbell. And he's going to be Noah Campbell because, man, first off, cheers, Noah Campbell. Off to a fantastic start. Four RBI night against PC. The Gamecocks score 14 runs. When Noah Campbell is swinging a hot bat, for whatever reason, I'm telling you, since he's been here, it seems like this team – as a whole offensively, <clears throat> does really, really well. When Noah Campbell swings it well, this entire lineup swings it well. He is like a catalyst, a spark plug. And, hell, he was hitting the two-hole on Wednesday night. So, I mean, he's definitely at the top of that lineup, can get everybody else behind him going. But I want to continue to see the development. He's the key player of this weekend, not only for those reasons I just mentioned and, you know, seeing that against Northwestern, but – if he can continue to stay hot, folks, th this lineup <clears throat> goes from being solid or good to scary. This lineup goes to being scary if Noah Campbell can, can, can play and hit to his potential. So that's going to be the guy I'm keeping an eye on, my key player of the weekend, Noah Campbell. As far as my predictions concerned, you know, listen, I took a look at this Northwestern team. They lose a lot. Like I said, they lose their top arm. They lose their top two bats. You know, overall, I like the Gamecocks in this one once again. I like South Carolina this weekend. You know, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't know how Northwestern's going to hit Carmen Majinski at all. I, I like Brett Carey a lot on Saturday. I, I like Brandon Jordan a lot on Sunday. I think this lineup is getting a lot of confidence. You're hitting just under shade under 300 right now as a team, which, again, you should. But I like where this team is right now. I like the development we're seeing. Again, there's a lot of guys swinging hot bats right now, and I think South Carolina will carry that into this weekend as well. I've got the Gamecocks getting the sweep. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I feel really good about it. I, I've got South Carolina getting the sweep once again. Again, I'll be very intrigued to see what Northwestern brings to the table. But if South Carolina plays its best baseball, it will get the sweep 100%, in my opinion. So I think the Gamecocks come out, do take care of business. I think they do get the sweep, uh, get to 7-0. Get to 
and set up a big week, obviously, leading up to the Carolina Clemson series. Obviously, you've got two games between that. You've got a couple midweek games, so you don't want to jump too far ahead of yourself. But we all know what's at stake or what's upcoming next weekend. So uh, very excited for this weekend. Like I said, I think South Carolina gets the sweep. It's going to be an exciting weekend at Founders Park, but I think the Gamecocks do take care of business against Northwestern. Um, okay, a couple of news and notes real quick. Um, it appears a little football note, Rod Wilson. Looks like he's going to be the new linebackers coach, going to wait until the school confirms everything, but it appears he is going to be the next linebackers coach for South Carolina football overall. Played for the Gamecocks, so it's great to get some garnet and black blood in in the building. But, uh, yeah, Rod Wilson looks to be taking that job. I think it's a very, very good hire. Um, one other thing, baseball note, touching on, South Carolina did beat Presbyterian 14-3. Obviously, I broke it down on social media in the postgame report, but really – you took care of business, did what you needed to do against a non-conference opponent. Um, like I said, the lineup, the, the most impressive thing, like I said on social media, you know, <clears throat> you score 14 runs on 15 hits, not a single home run, and you only strike out twice. Great night for the bats. You love to see that progress. The pitching was great. Thomas Farr was phenomenal. The stuff is great. And you saw a couple guys get their first their first outings. Trey just John Gilreath, uh, TJ Shook looked phenomenal. Graham Lawson looked great. Andy Peters closing it out. So, really, really good stuff. You get a big win. You get, like I said, you carry them, that momentum into this weekend against Northwestern. Um, one last thing. Another football note. Spring practice officially set to begin February 26th. Folks, that is next Wednesday. That is next Wednesday. It's crazy that football is already back. I'm not complaining, obviously, but it is wild that football is already back. Spring ball is here. The spring game set for April 4th. Going to be a 1 o'clock kick on SEC Network Plus. So, very, very excited about that, obviously. Again, it's crazy that, uh, you know, I'm not mad at it, but it's crazy that football, it's, it's already here. It's literally already here. It creeps up on us real fast. It's wild. Um, all right, let's get into your listener questions, and we're going to jump in this interview. See Breeze 1, <clears throat> what do you think about Brian McClendon staying at South Carolina? I don't dislike Brian McClendon. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good recruiter, obviously. I hate that we're paying our wide receivers coach $1.2 million. But, you know, overall, I don't have any beef with Brian McClendon, really. Like, I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, and I think he'll be a good wide receivers coach. You know, I think it's a very interesting move, and I'm surprised he's going to stay. You know, just simply put, how many guys want to stay on a staff where they got demoted? But he's going to do it. So, Trevor PSC says, SC website lists Bentley as quarterback coach. I read he's interim running back coach, still looking to hire running backs coach. I think he's the running backs coach. Everything we've heard, he's pretty sure he's the running backs coach. I think they probably just just uh, have to update that. So, I'm pretty sure he's running backs coach. DJ.5202, how do you feel about the offensive line? Feel pretty good about the O-line. I think they have a lot of athleticism. I like Eric Wolford as the coach there. So, I feel good about the O-line going into the 2020 season. CP3 underscore presents. This might be stupid to ask, but do you believe Muschamp is the guy to get this team to Atlanta? There are no stupid questions, CP3, but I 100% do not. I 100% do not believe that Muschamp's the guy to get this team to Atlanta. QG underscore swag. We can beat Clemson this year. I certainly hope you are right. B underscore Arthur 25. You think we will go to the NCAA tournament? At this point, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think we're an NIT team. I'm going to say no at this point. But can we? Yes. Will we? I'm not going to predict it yet. I'm not going to predict it yet. 
But can we? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we can go on a run. We can win every game we have left. We can win a game or two in Nashville, and boom, we're in. So we'll see. It's going to be a very, very interesting last couple of weeks. So, all right, got a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks outfielder TJ Hopkins. TJ, phenomenal dude. A great conversation. This is one you're definitely going to want to stay tuned to. We talk about his four-year South Carolina career, overcoming adversity. TJ's a guy who grew up a Gamecock fan, loves the Gamecocks, loves the University of South Carolina, hates Clemson. So someone that all Gamecock fans can certainly relate to, that they can um, really enjoy his commentary. You're going to enjoy this interview, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, professional sporting events. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I just mentioned, they've got tickets to everything, whether you're trying to go to the LSU game on Saturday night, any Gamecocks baseball game. Hey, South Carolina Clemson's next weekend. If you need your tickets to Carolina Clemson baseball, they've got them on there as well. Also, I know Post Malone is coming next weekend. Um, you know, XFL's going on. You've got all the other NBA, professional sporting events, MLB's coming up. If you need tickets, SeatGeek is the way to go. they got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting, guys. So never again are you going to worry about scalping. You're not going to overpay. You're going to know exactly where you're sitting. You're going to know the value of what you're getting. You're going to know what the person next to you is paying. You're going to get the absolute best bang for your buck, and you're going to have that peace of mind before you click the buy button because they're doing all the work for you. They're doing all the work for you guys. So, again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks outfielder T.J. Hopkins. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2016 to 2019. During his career, he hit 295, 19 home runs, 112 RBIs. Last season, he was named the Tom Price Award winner, which if you don't know is given to the MVP of the Clemson series. And he was also named National Hitter of the Week in 2019 for his performance that week as well. Last year, he was drafted in the ninth round by the Cincinnati Reds in the MLB draft and is currently playing in the Reds organization. I am very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks center fielder tj hopkins tj appreciate you taking the time man it's a pleasure to have you on my friend yeah man it's uh it's an honor to be on there for sure so tj before we get going kind of on a lighter note i want to ask you uh it's funny we've been doing the preview stuff and obviously you know one of the big storylines uh going into this season is you know how how is mark kingston squad going to replace you for whatever reason i I've, I've basically labeled you as mr gamecock for sort of you becoming up a gamecocks fan and playing for south carolina you think that's a fair nickname or or what, what are your thoughts on that? It just kind of organically flows, I feel like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, I was a, a Gamecock fan before I could even talk. So, I mean, it was uh, – you know, when I first got there, it was my freshman year. I soaked it all in, and, you know, after that it was just business. So, But, like you said, um, you know, it was an honor to play for Carolina, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I want to ask you, because obviously you were a really highly regarded prospect. You know, obviously the recruiting starts so early in baseball. Um, for you, when did South Carolina come into the picture? And, I mean, was there ever a question? I mean, were you ever even thinking about going anywhere else once you got that offer from South Carolina? Well, uh, the funny thing is I was uh, – I committed to 
college of Charleston when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. It was uh, my first offer. Um, me and Coach Lee really, you know, uh, hit it off. And, you know, the assistant coaches there, they, you know, they, uh, they really made me feel uh, good. And uh, it was my first offer. And, you know, I kind of jumped into things. And, you know, as I got a little bit older, I went to a Carolina game and I was like, I just, I can just see myself playing here. And, you know, I've been the, I was going to games, you know, Sarge Fry ever, ever since, you know, my dad had season tickets way back in the day, but, mm. you know, I can uh, just remember bits and pieces, but uh, the last memory I have at Sarge Fry was David Price pitching against us and he shoved it. But <laughs> that was, uh, it was a, it was a, you know, I, I was recruited very, very differently. I mean, how I got to Carolina, um, it was just once I once I got a little bit older and I just knew I wanted to go there. You know what I mean? No, for sure, for sure. I, I, that's why I asked because I feel like again, growing up a South Carolina fan, you get that offer. It's like it has to be just like a no brainer at that point. It's like a surreal feeling almost. Um, I, I know you were recruited, obviously, Chad Holbrook, the coach, when you got there. I want to ask you specifically, now he's obviously at CFC, and I know uh, your brother Brody is going, I believe, right, he's going to CFC to play for Chad Holbrook. So I, I just want to ask, what was the relationship like with him? Just tell me about kind of your first uh, first interactions, if you will, with Chad Holbrook. Um, me and Coach Holbrook, uh, we had a really good relationship. Um, he came and watched me one game. And you know, I had a I had a terrible game and he uh he told me to call him after the game and he acted like I went four for four with four bombs. I mean, it was just crazy to me. And uh me and him really really hit it off. Um but yeah, my little brother's signed there, you know, uh Coach Holbrook's really familiar with our family, so he's he's known Brody since he he I mean he was in middle school, so him and Brody have a really good relationship as well. For sure. So I want to jump into your freshman year, TJ, because obviously you jump on the scene, not not necessarily an everyday starter immediately, but I mean, you, you know, some guys, it takes a little bit longer for them to adjust to SEC baseball. I would say you did a pretty good job at it. I mean, hit 322 as a freshman, a homer, 26 ribbies. How would you assess your the transition from high school baseball to SEC baseball? And did you ever have like a welcome to the SEC moment necessarily? Um... Welcome to the SEC moment? No, but I had a welcome to South Carolina with 9,000 people moment on opening <laughs> day. I remember running out to right field, and uh, I remember my legs I, my legs were shaking. <laughs> the, the park was – it was electric, and I just – I didn't want to – you know, I didn't want to think about it too much, but, I mean, it's hard not to think about it as a freshman. You know, I just – it was it, – it was, that was a crazy experience. For sure. So I think it's interesting, TJ, you know, you're a guy that you take a look at your career. You have literally seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I mean, you talk about those 16 and 18 seasons and I'm talking about the highest of highs and then 17 and 19, the lowest of lows. I mean, just just talk about when you look back at your career as a whole. I mean, is there any rhyme or reason to, I guess, the back and forth, back and forth? I know 17 and 19 plagued by injuries, which we're going to get into in just a little bit more or get into a little bit more in just a second. But, I mean, you know, what was that like, I guess, as far as the roller coaster of, you know, 
going as high as, you know, to the Super Regionals, a game away from Omaha, and then having the other type of season you guys had? You know, it was uh, my my sophomore year. I really didn't know how to handle it because, like you said, we went to a Super Regional. We uh, I think we lost the SEC East by like half a game or a game or something. I can't even remember. I mean, we, we won 20 games. Uh, every series went, or every SEC series uh, we won, we swept. Um, we never got swept. And, you know, like like you said, uh, that's my sophomore year. That I mean, honestly, if you look at that roster and you see like, what what all they're doing now and, mm. and pro ball and stuff you're just it's it, it's amazing how uh how much talent we have we're just you know it came down to a lot of rubber matches and just you know one pitch here one pitch there one you know one error you know it's just baseball and it uh it was very it, it was very different in my freshman year because i went we went from you know being the best you know, best of the best in the SEC, and then losing all those rubber matches really, uh, really got under our skin. Yeah, I was gonna say we, you know, I've had Chris Cullen and Alex Destino on two of your former teammates that were on that sixteen team. They said that was probably the most fun year of baseball they've ever had, like at any level. Oh, it's not even close. Fresh that that freshman year team was so close. I mean, it that our junior year team was you know, a really good team too, but we didn't come on till till really late, like fifth mm-hmm. you know, like fifth week in SEC play. Like our freshman year, um, we knew we were gonna be good, you know, the first fall fall scrimmage. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I wanna talk about that twenty seventeen season really quickly though, because TJ obviously I mean you're a guy that you know, I would associate you with the word clutch. Uh, definitely later in your career at South Carolina, you had a lot of big-time hits, a lot of big-time plays, a lot of big-time at-bats. The first one that I can really recall, and I know there were probably more before this, but the first one that I really vividly remember was 2017 SEC tournament. You guys are taking on Kentucky. It's winner go home. There's a ton of pressure on that. You come in pinch hit, by the way, hit a three-run homer, the game-winning three-run homer. Just – Talk about that at bat. What did you see, and just kind of what were the rush of emotions, uh, you know, at, at, in the aftermath? <laughs> I got a funny story for that. All right, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run you through everything that happened. All right, so, sounds good. I was battling that quad injury uh, pretty much my whole sophomore year. I mean, I would uh, I would play the first two games of the weekend, and then I'd go home Saturday, and it just it would flare up, and I could I came to the park Sunday and could barely run. You know, it was just. Mm. It was that was the most nagging injury I think I've ever had, and so I had. I didn't even have any batting gloves. If you go back and watch the video, I, I didn't have any batting gloves. I uh I had my turfs on, and Coach Holbrook looks at me and says, "Hey, can you swing?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can swing." And he looked away, and I went and put put my cleats on really quick, and I, they weren't even my cleats. I uh I grabbed a pitcher's cleat. <laughs> because I didn't think I was playing that day. And uh, it was Salem, um, the I think he won Stopper of the Year that year. Mm. Uh, he was – he was. we faced him at home, uh, and I think he had like eight Ks in three innings or something crazy like that. He just absolutely shoved the into. So, 
I knew what he had. I faced him then. Um, and I just, you know, I, a lot of people mess with me and say, you were sitting on that slider. And I, honestly, I wasn't. Uh, I, I blacked out right when I hit it, so I really don't remember. But I just remember that was probably top three moments uh, of my, you know, of my career. For sure. So another thing too, you know, it's funny in the intro, I mentioned that you won the Tom Price Award, uh, which is the MVP for the South Carolina Clemson series in 2019. You also won it in 2017. I forgot to mention, so my apologies there, but let's just jump into the Carolina Clemson rivalry because I know for you, it, it's got to hit home, you know, so deeply. I mean, again, you won the Tom Price Award twice. 2018, you have a walk-off sack fly in the game at home, the Friday night game at Founders Park. Before we dive into specifics, j just talk about, if you want to talk about your first Carolina Clemson series or just all of them in general, just the, the feelings for you personally. Because, again, there are guys that play in this series that are in-state guys. There are guys that play in this series that they talk about how competitive and how intense it is. But, I mean, for you, I have to imagine it took on a whole – it was just on a whole different level for T.J. Hopkins. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You, you couldn't have said that any better. I mean – um. And with Coach Lee being at Clemson, too, um, you know, there was just a lot of – I had a lot of – I was really pumped up for that series. But my freshman year, uh, the weekend before, I uh, I had a bad Sunday against uh, – I can't even remember who we played. It was the second – I think it was Penn State. So, I didn't get to play in it. I got – I had one – I had a pinch hit my freshman year uh, in the Palmetto Series, but that was it. But – uh it was probably a good thing I didn't play in it that year because, you know, I'd have probably let my emotions get to me. Um, just because I'm, I'm a huge Carolina fan, you know, like me and Orange just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But that's just how, that's how my whole family is. I mean, my granddad's got a Carolina C on his, uh, on his leg. I mean, it's just, uh, at our, uh, family dinners you're you're not allowed to wear orange but that's just uh that's just I grew up in it you know I uh I was coming to I I probably went to about five Palmetto series before I even you know got to college yeah that, that, I was gonna say that that's just a great way to put it just a great way to paraphrase it as far as TJ Hopkins and orange don't go together I'll ask you though because you know we could run through these one by one but I, I feel like we could do an entire show just on the Clemson series but I know in 2017 um and you guys while you were there didn't win the series until your senior year so I feel like I already know the answer before I get the or before I ask the question but 2017, I know you had a diving catch to record the final out to get the win. 2018, like I said, you had that sack fly walk off, and then 2019, I mean, you just you just went off and abused their pitching all weekend. Which, which moment from that series for you personally would you say stands out the most, or is the most memorable, if, if you will? Any of the series or uh, my 19 series? Just any of the series, just overall from the from the Clemson Carolina series. Um, I mean. Definitely my uh, – this past year, um, I don't know. Uh, I just felt like I couldn't get out that weekend. Uh, it was, you know, you're going to go – you're going to have weekends like that too um, where you just feel like that you're, you're swinging at a beach ball, you know. Uh, I'm just thankful it was against Clemson. And uh, I, the most – I 
probably when I hit the home run in the first game. Mm. That's when I knew I, I – because uh, he – he came with an inside fastball my first at bat and kind of beat me a little bit, and I knew that he was going to come back in. So, you know, I just – that's why I thought it was the most memorable because I was sitting on one pitch, he threw it, and, I, you know, I delivered. So, it was really cool to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, being there in person, that was a mammo bomb. You and Andrew Eister both just went – yeah. Yeah. Mammo yeah. bombs. So, and uh, running around – uh running around third too uh my dad was standing right above the dugout and mm-hmm. if you go back and watch it i gave him a little fist pump and my, him and my granddad were standing right beside each other and you know they still talk about that once a week yeah it's it's crazy like i said being there i, I was near that section it was it was crazy for that small little contingency of south Carolina fans it felt like it was so loud so loud um but I, I want to talk about the 2018 season because you mentioned you had the injury, you know, you had the ha- – what was it, the hamstring injury in 2017. I mean, you were a dude that constantly you were fighting the injury bug. I mean, since you got to Carolina, that 2018 season, I know, though, really takes the cake as far as, you know, battling the injury bug. I mean, you're hitting 345 through 37 games, tearing it up. Um and then you deal with literally a broken back, which is crazy when people hear that. I mean, to hear somebody has a broken back. And then, I don't know, TJ, you can tell me if this was before or after, but I think I remember, too, was it the Florida series? You got you got hit in the uh, the wrist, I think messed up your hand, too. I mean, just talk about that 2018 season, though, as far as, you know, that's your money year, that's your junior year, you're on a tear to start the year. How tough was that, I guess, mentally and just dealing with that adversity through all those injuries? You know, that was a really – that was really probably the lowest point of my uh, baseball career because, you know, we were going on that run and, you know, I was rehabbing as hard as I could, but, you know, it just – it just wasn't – I was not – I wasn't getting any better. And I, um, so when I broke my hand against Florida when I got pegged, um, I tried to hit the next bat and I got up on deck and I started swinging and I, it felt like I was swinging with one hand. I literally just – couldn't even grip the bat so I uh all I did was bunt and that was my last bat that game and then came I iced it all night came to the uh park the next day and tried to go in the cage early and hit with our trainer and just I mean it just was blown up it was falling I, I did not think it was broke though you know mm-hmm. but I think that had me sitting out for that six weeks you know I really couldn't lift like how you how you need to during the season mm. and I just jumped right back in the swing of things and um my back just worn tore down and I just remember specifically one time sliding in the third and I, it, I, it just didn't feel right how, how do you rehab a broken back I mean is there anything you can really do besides just rest I mean can you really do anything to it no you you just Six weeks in a brace, a brace that goes all the way up to your, uh, like a shoulder blade, a little bit lower than that. And, you know, mm. you just, honestly, you can't do anything. Like, have fun. It's the worst injury ever. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, it's I, the worst injury ever. So, I, I do want to talk more about that 2018 season, TJ, because, like you said, that was a very interesting year and just kind of how it unfolded. But I want to backtrack. I can't believe I jumped ahead of this. Obviously, with the 2017 season, the way it went, um, Chad Holbrook, 
relieved of his duties, stepped down, whatever. Obviously, he, he made a very good move and took the job at CFC, and things are going very well. But I, I just want to get your, your personal opinion, your take on it, because he's the guy that obviously that staff recruited you, everything. When you found out the news, you know, what was your reaction? Were you surprised? And then talk to me about Mark Kingston. He comes in, obviously. What was that first team meeting like? And I guess what were your first interactions like with Mark Kingston as well? So I was uh, I was there that summer, sophomore year summer, uh, with like me, Sawyer Bridges, uh, Chris Cullen, and a few other guys. And um, he actually, when he came in toward, he wanted to talk to some players, and we we met him there. But we really didn't, you know, we didn't know what was going on. I mean, no no one really knew what was going on. Mm. But uh, I got the most up respect for both those, you know, as coaches as. You know, just men like I just I would go to war for both of them any time of the week. You know, so they're both their uh, their coaching styles different, but uh, they both you know get the job done. So they're both really uh, really good people too. So that well, that always helps for sure. I, I was gonna say, I mean, was there really a major change as far as philosophy? I mean, I know Kingston's you know very very analytical guy, so I'd imagine he was maybe. A little more analytical than Holbert, but I remember in 2018. I mean, you guys, for whatever reason, I mean, the batting averages just jumped. I mean, Madison Stokes had a career year. Justin Rowe had a huge year. I mean, just guy after guy after guy. I mean, you were obviously tearing it up. Would you, would you attribute that to just kind of coincidence, or was there anything specifically you would point to and say, you know, that's the reason that happened? No, I mean they. Uh... We really, really worked a lot on hitting, it, and and it was a bunch of analytical stuff, like you said. I mean, and it worked for some guys, you know, like like you said, Stokes. I mean, Stokes was unbelievable. That you had like tremendous jumps from that year, uh, from Coach Holbrook's last year to Coach Kingston's first year offensively, mm. and uh, you know, just some guys with the new hitting philosophy, it clicked, and that's uh, that's really pretty much it. I mean, from a from a coaching standpoint, like, it was, you know, it was honestly about the same um, when it comes to that stuff, just a little mm -hmm. bit more hands-on and a little bit more technical. For sure. So, again, that 2018 season so interesting, TJ, because, you know, got off to a very rough start. And I, I know this is – I ask everybody that's come on my show that from that season this question – what in the world did Mark Kingston say to you guys after the Presbyterian game? Can you even repeat any of, any of it on the air? No, I, I cannot repeat <laughs> it on here. Uh, that's probably, I mean, that was, when, when, when we looked into his eyes and we, uh, he, I, we really just felt how, how hurt he was and just, you know, we felt like we let him down and we were letting him down and, you know, he put so much in and, uh, he felt like we weren't giving back. So, I mean, along those lines, you can probably make, make something up in your head close to it, you know. But he uh, he got into us like any other coach would, you know, because if you're at South Carolina, there, there's nobody in the state that should be beating you. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So, again, I, I know you dealt with the injury bug in 2018, but ju just kind of talk about – the ride that was as far as, I mean, you're with your boys. You guys get one game away from Omaha. I mean, go to the ECU regional first off, sweep through that. I, I, probably my favorite quote from that. Um, 
I think it was Cortez, he came on and said, you know, you noticed we didn't dogpile because we expected to win that regional 110%. I thought that was awesome. Um, you go to the Supers, you're one game away from Omaha. Obviously, you fall short of the ultimate goal, but, I mean, just talk about sort of the ride that was that 2018 season. That was uh, – that was – you, you said it exactly right. That was a ride. I mean, you, you went from the lowest point to losing to Furman at, at your home park to going on and winning five SEC, you know, weekends against good teams. I mean, yeah. you Ole guys Miss swept came LSU. In, LSU came in. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it was crazy. After that, that weekend, it just, or that, that midweek, it just, something clicked. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the baseball gods or something clicked. And, uh, you know, we just, never really slowed down and uh that easy well when we didn't dogpile we uh actually we were all talking about it and uh like some of us I remember I was talking I think I I think it was LT and Carlos and I was just I was like how uh badass would it be if we just went out there like we were supposed to win and it blew up on Twitter and you know we never we didn't mean for it to you know we just decided not to do it for sure. So I do want to ask you this kind of off the wall question here, but I've asked a couple other guys. Uh, 2018, I believe, was the year you guys always played the Charlotte games against UNC, whoever. Maybe, yeah, it was 2018, I believe. How uh, how much respect did you gain from Mark Kingston after he took a ball off the chest while doing an interview and kept going? Oh, I wasn't surprised about that. Coach King, <laughs> you know, he's a he's a stallion. He works out. <laughs> Every day, every day he's at the field, he's working out. You know, he has his little routine uh, that he does every day. But I hope I look that good when I'm his age. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I wasn't surprised, you know. And especially he's he's as professional as it comes. You know, he's uh, he's what, like, a, a coach, you know, should be like, if that makes sense. No, for sure. I was going to say, he, he is a fit dude, no doubt. So, uh, again. Yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he, he, I was going to say, he gets after it. But so, you're coming off the injuries in 2018, obviously, TJ, going into your senior year. Um, I mean, you know, it's your last ride, your last time in Garnet and Black, your last chance as far as playing professional baseball as well. I mean, that's obviously the ultimate goal for you personally. Just, I mean, talk about the work ethic that offseason, the chip on your shoulder to get back. And obviously, you were a you know, what looked like at least 100% healthy in 2019. If you had an injury you're playing through, we wouldn't know. But anyway, just, just talk about the chip on your shoulder to get back and sort of prove to everybody, you know, this is – I can play healthy and I can put together a, uh, a complete season, if you will. Well, that's – you know, that's the main reason I came back because, uh, you know, there was only – there was a lot of teams that red-carded me in the junior year draft. Uh, and, you know, I was – I was playing really, really good. I, that was probably some of the best baseball – you know, I put together in a, in a stretch of time. Uh, so when it happened, uh, you know, for the first couple of days, I was mad, you know, upset, you know, probably not coming to the park like I need to, uh, you know, because I'm usually, a, you know, loud, kind of smiling, you know, just messing around with everybody dying. Then I thought to myself how, you know, how selfish that was. And, you know, I just kind of shook it off and, you know, just knew, knew everything uh, was going to fall into place next year because uh, I was just going to work hard and, you know, just I was going to make sure I was on the field for all 56 games. 
Yeah, and like I said, that you were. I mean, you literally started every game last year for South Carolina. Uh, and the stats, I mean, I, I would say, maybe you can argue, but the stats, I would say your best is a Gamecock, 285 on the year, 11 homers, 42 RBIs. I mean, would you attribute the stats to simply just being healthy? And obviously you're a senior, so you've pretty much seen everything at that point. Was there anything in your game specifically maybe in the offseason you worked on or just was it? would you just simply attribute it just being healthy and, you know, being that veteran presence as well? I think it had uh, a little bit of all of those uh, aspects into one and just, you know, just believing in myself and believing in uh, Coach Kingston's philosophy and Coach Kern's philosophy um, and, you know, just just uh, believing in myself and, you know, just having fun because, like I said, that, you know, being in South Carolina was a dream and, uh, you know, I got to live it out and everything worked out now and, uh, you know, probably – lost some money but you know you don't really make the a lot of money until you're in the big leagues anyway so that's mm -hmm. what me and my dad talked about and you know just was honestly it was a no-brainer yeah for sure now I, yeah for sure so I, I do want to talk about that 2019 season just a little bit TJ I mean I, I know it was rough as far as how SEC play unfolded I mean just from your perspective I mean how surprised were you because um, I think after that Clemson series, you know, everybody was feeling pretty good, obviously. I think you guys started like 14-3 and three in non-conference, and then SEC play happened. Again, I talked about the injuries. It was eerily similar to 2017 in my mind, where it was like, like you said, it came down to one pitch, one at bat. It felt like it came down to game three every single week. And in credit to you guys, you did not stop battling, did not stop fighting the entire season. I mean, how surprised were you, though, I guess – of how quickly the season turned and sort of snowballed into what it became? You know, it was really hard for me because, you know, I'm I'm a player, but I'm also a fan. So, I, you know, I, I was – I could I, – I felt for the fans and, you know, it, we were trying. Uh, you know, we were just – we were short on guys. I mean, we were just – guys were falling left and right. You know, there's nothing, you know, that we can control. Um, after Carmen went down, you know, we kind of like – brush it off a little bit but like think about any you know any team losing their Friday night guy third week and into uh you know the third week into your season you know what I mean mm -hmm. so like yeah it was it like it was a struggle I mean we felt the same way as the fans you know the whole year we were uh we wanted to win you know we worked hard I mean we played hard every game too you know just mm -hmm. we didn't have uh enough healthy arms um and that was that. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those seasons, man. It was, it was, it was rough. It was, it was rough. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I talked to Reed, like I said, about that. And like I said, give you guys credit. You continued to show up in the ballpark and fight every single day. I mean, I don't think anybody could question the team's toughness, resiliency, all that good stuff. So I do want to ask you about during that 2019 season, because I totally forgot about this. Um, you actually hit for the cycle against Valpo March 10th. You were the first Gamecock to accomplish that since 2015. Um, and, again, you sort of mentioned this with the Clemson series, but, I mean, the baseball was a beach ball to you, especially early on. You hit 350 in the non-conference, 10 homers, 32 RBIs. I mean, I, I guess probably in the moment, maybe you don't really think about it. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I guess how cool is it to say, you know, I hit for the cycle in college? You know, it was, it, it was honestly, it was crazy because in 2015, uh, when Kyle did it against Florida at Florida, uh, I was watching the game with 
my granddad, my dad, and my little brother. And he came up, and I was like, holy crap, he's three for four with all he needs is a triple. And my dad, my dad, uh, you know, was like, there's no way Kyle's hitting a triple. And I was like, <laughs> you never know. And it looked like a double off the bat, and I was – I stood up, and I was acting like I was Coach Esposito on third rounding him. And uh, when he did it, I just uh, – you know, that was just awesome. So that was honestly the first thing I thought about uh, because that Sunday game against Clemson, I was one, uh, I was a triple away from uh, from the cycle. And I told uh, Parker Coyne that I was about to hit a, a triple, but I just hit a single. <laughs> and uh, he was like, right after, he was like, you're scared to hit the cycle. And then it happened the, the next Sunday. It, it was it was honestly crazy because, I mean, it, it's in your mind going up to the plate. I, like, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like, oh, no, I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> no, I knew. Like, but I wasn't purposely trying to, you know, hit it in the right center gap. But when I saw it go off the bat, I knew I was going to third. Yeah, no no question. You're not – there's no chance you're stopping there. Either throw me out or I'm getting the triple for sure. Yeah, we um, already we were already up. So, I mean, it was – yeah, I had to do it. First, no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so, TJ, again, you're taken in the 2019 MLB draft, ninth round. Just talk about, I mean, you get that call, the rush of emotions. You've been working for that your entire life, and especially, again, after you make the decision to come back after your junior year. Put that feeling into words when you get that call and find out you're drafted by the Reds. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was – it, the draft wasn't, you know, what I expected, you know, in high school, I thought it was such a good time and, you know, it's all fun and games, but it's really not, it's really stressful because you're around your family. Um, you know, a lot of scouts were telling me I was going to go on the second day. So we went to my uncle Clay's house on the river and we just, uh, we were just hanging out and, you know, just having a good time. And, you know, I was trying to keep my mind off it. Um, but there's just no way to get your mind off it. You're, you're answering mm. calls. Um, and it's just a really stressful time. You you can see the stress in your family, and you know they just want you to get picked and want you to go fulfill your dreams. But it was uh it was nothing what I expected. Like, but when I when I uh when they told me they were gonna draft me if I was still available in the ninth and two picks before, I I've never experienced that kind of you know nervousness and just I was scrolling on Twitter and I seen TJ. moment like no for sure so I know you went to Billings by the way TJ just talk about your first season in the minor leagues I mean overall you hit pretty well 267 five homers 30 ribbies how would you assess that first year uh that first year in the minors um it has it had its ups it has downs you know it took me a while to get going I was you know I was tinkering with some things I was uh you know, I was just trying to get comfortable, and it just wasn't coming. And then all of a sudden, you know, after a game, my dad calls me. And he goes, "If you, he, my dad, you know, quit coaching me when I was 11. And, you know, he just really always gave me hitting tips in high school. And, you know, in college, he, we would talk after the game. But I've never he, – he was never this way until this moment. He called me. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings after going 0 for – <laughs> four with three K's and I was hitting 200 with 
like a hundred of bats or something, something crazy. And he saw something on, uh, on a little Walmart camera that sat in right center, uh, that I was pulling my leg out. And I mean, I, I was, so I have to give him props because after that, I felt like I couldn't get out for a month. <laughs> Dad, the dads always know. They always know for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what he says, too. <laughs> of course. So I, I want to ask you, though, obviously you're going into, we were just talking, you're leaving Friday, um, I guess, what, going to spring training or mini camp or whatever it is for you. Um, anyways, going into your, your first full season of minor league baseball, just kind of talk about what you've been working on in the offseason. Um, what's TJ Hopkins, the hitter, the player? What do you focus on most this offseason to make sure you're ready for that first full season? So after the season, uh, you know, I took a month off. Uh, I lifted, you know, twice a week. Uh, very little, though. Uh, my body was really tired because um, towards the end of the season, I was playing every day. Um, and that's a lot. I mean, mm. it's different from, you know, uh, college ball. I mean, it's every day. You know, mm. we, we – I remember when pro ball really hit me is when we drove 11 hours after a 7 o'clock game from Billings, Montana to uh, – Grand Junction, Colorado, and we showed up at three, and the game was at five. And uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, man, this is this really is a grind." They weren't lying to me, I guess. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was just pro ball is it's all about consistency. And uh, you know, I feel like right now my swing's better than ever. Uh, you know, I really me and Steno hit probably. 200 balls a day for a two-week span uh, like a week ago. And uh, me and him have always bounced ideas off each other. And he tinkered something with my uh, with my hands. And, you know, uh, now I feel I, I'm, I'm ready to go. But, uh, no, I'm it's the instructional league. So spring training doesn't start till March 4th, I think. Gotcha. So I have a uh, – it's, it's called instructional league. Got you, got uh, I don't you. really know what we're going to do yet. I got you. I got you for sure. Uh, so, TJ, I do want to get your perspective, your take on this upcoming season for South Carolina. Obviously, we're chatting and opening day is literally two days away for South Carolina because, like you mentioned, not only did you play for the Gamecocks, but, I mean, you are a fan. And I know all your buddies are on that team this year, and I know you're looking forward to the season. Just kind of give your perspective, um, you know, on this season for Mark Kingston's squad. What are you looking for? What are you expecting? I know for me personally, I'm very optimistic with a healthy Carmen Majinski. And, and I think the lineup, like you said on Twitter yesterday, I think the lineup is going to be much, much better than people expect. I mean, I, I was just taking a look. I mean, two through seven, two through eight really are all guys that can leave the yard at any point. I mean, just kind of talk about your expectations, what you're looking for from this, uh, this 2020 season for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, really impressed. Uh, coach Kingston and, you know, the coaching staff really made it a point to get some, you know, to get some older guys in there. Uh, Beaver and Bowen, both studs, you know, their numbers speak for itself. I mean, the SEC isn't that much different, you know what I mean? They were facing good arms. So, mm -hmm. I, I see them I see them both having really good years. And, you know, I've been telling everybody about uh, – how good Malone is. And I told my, mm -hmm. my granddad, cause he's, you know, he's the biggest Carolina fan out of us all. So, I mean, <laughs> and I told him, I think that's the best freshman we've had. I think he, like, he's, uh, he's the real deal. And like, 
I've never seen a dude uh, so mature. I mean, Carlos Cortez is a close second, and don't be mad at me, Carlos, but this kid's, uh, this kid's going to be special. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Malone's a stud, man. He looks like a polished SEC hitter as a true freshman. It's kind of scary. Um, two questions, TJ, and I wanna, I'm going to get you out of here. The first one is more of a funny, lighthearted question. Um, like I said, we had Chris Cohen on the show a couple weeks back, and I, was, I ask you this because you came in with Chris. You played with Chris throughout your entire career. We got on the subject, I forget how, of just sort of his favorite memories at Carolina as far as – uh, you know, just hanging out with the boys, you know, whatever, you know, favorite pastime activities, whatever, just, ha- just hanging out outside of the baseball field. And we got on the subject somehow, again, don't ask me how, but who was the best ladies man while he was at Carolina? He said himself. Uh, Would you course. agree? He, he said himself. He did mention you, but he okay. said himself. Would you agree with that at all? I mean, I, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that others are going to agree with him. Maybe you do. I don't know. But he did mention you. I will say that. But uh, what's, what's your take on that? It doesn't surprise me he said that, honestly. Um, me and Chris, you know, still talk a lot. We we really hit, we uh, had orientation together as uh, seniors in high school, and ever since then, you know, we hit it off. We lived together uh, my sophomore year. Um, now, Chris, you know, he's not lying when he tells you that. He, uh, he, well, he didn't do bad. Yeah, first okay. I just want I just want to get some confirmation. I mean, again, he's the guy's like six six, so he 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 definitely should do okay yeah. for himself. But you know, whatever. Yeah, um, he, he and he had the beard, and he, and he you know, he's tall. He uh, yeah, all all of it. Yeah, had it all going for him. Um, all right, one last thing, TJ. I'll get you out of here. When you take a look back at your South Carolina career, um, whether it be you know best memory, maybe if you got a funny story with Holbrook or Kingston, or just kind of the the one thing that jumps out, I guess if you will, from uh from your four years at South Carolina. One thing that jumps out. Like, for me personally or just you – Just know, you just personally, yeah. And, yeah, as far as you personally, you like personally. Your, your favorite memory, I guess. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, there's a lot. But uh, if I had to put one, you know, one of them in um, – Honestly, the you know the 2019 Clemson series something I'll never forget. But for another for as a team is when freshman year we lost and uh, Hunter Taylor, you know, played a lot as a freshman, mm-hmm. came in as a sophomore, expecting to play, you know, start. Chris came in, you know, he was John Jones, you know. And it just didn't go his way. But, you know, he was the ultimate team guy, and he won us that regional because of his attitude. And, you know, I talk to Hunter about that all the time. I'll never forget it. For sure. Well, TJ, I do appreciate you taking the time, man. I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when we say it was an absolute pleasure to wear, watch you wear the garnet and black. And, obviously, I'll be keeping up. Everybody will be keeping up with, uh, with your season this year. But really do appreciate the time, man. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, man, no problem. Perfect. So for TJ Hopkins, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.